Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Well, I'm going to sit on up here to the microphone. I've got a hot cup of coffee and it's October. I'm going to let you know about my imperfection and that I didn't get to do a solo episode at the end of September. I had a lot on my plate with coaching and with the podcast. I had some friends not doing well and a family member not doing well. So I decided to give myself a little bit of grace, a little pause, a little reflection, and the permission to not have a solo episode at the end of September. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because sometimes I think we need to give ourselves a little pause and not get caught up in processes and policies and rules and regulations and general overwhelm. And the reason I'm saying this to you is because we all experience this. And I think it's a gift that we give to ourselves in self-care to model self-care for others, especially if you're a leader. And that doesn't make you weak. It allows some vulnerability, which is certainly one of the tools in the toolkit of heart-centered leadership, which I know you've heard me talk about many times on the show. So one of the things that I've been working on is in January of this year, 2021, I connected and built a relationship in 2020 with an amazing gentleman by the name of Tanmay Bora. And I shared my vision of heart-centered leadership with him and the top 20 qualities that I've been seeing, especially being in business for 31 years in working with leaders in different sectors all over the globe. And Tanmay drew a beautiful sketch note to accompany my vision and the qualities. And we just celebrated last week that this document has been downloaded over 80,000 times. I just had to pause in grace last week when I realized it. And it had me thinking that if that many people around the world, and there's 7.3 billion of you, is interested in this, then I know in my heart and in my mind, which are always aligned, that people are wanting this. So I decided that heart-centered leadership is a global component of all leaders. And you know, I often say leadership belongs to all of us. You don't have to have a fancy title or stature or a fancy office. We all have the ability to wake up in the morning and feel like a leader, and act like a leader, and be like a leader, regardless of who we are. So I got thinking about the 80,000 downloads and the five countries I'm currently working in with leaders. So I got to thinking about the top five languages 
and what I could do to really take my heart-centered leadership across the globe and connect and maintain talking about the connection with people. You all know that my definition of heart-centered leadership is honoring your connection with people. But I believe that having 80,000 downloads is a clear demonstration that people see and believe how important and vital these leadership qualities are and are needed right now as we continue to navigate unprecedented times. So when I got to thinking about all the global leaders that I'm working with, and in my opinion, have mastered the art of heart in their leadership, I got to thinking about the top five languages. So I did my research and we've had the English version out there, but we now have it in French, Arabic, Hindi, Spanish, and Mandarin. So what happened when I put this out to the world to embrace is I've now had two gentlemen come forth and offer to translate it into Portuguese and German. So it's like a little snowball effect that's starting to avalanche because leadership belongs to everyone and heart-centered leadership to me is a universal language that I want to share to everyone. And the other exciting thing is I'm currently working with a leader who's blind and I've had the poster converted for him in Braille. And I can't even tell you how meaningful it is to share these words, to share these qualities, to talk about, you know, what my top three are each day, and more importantly, how imperfect I am and which one that I am working on that day, because it can change day to day, because our life changes day to day. So very excited to share that poster, now in six languages, soon to be in eight languages, now available in Braille. And it's just for the good of helping others, which just warms my heart completely. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit this month and talk about some of the questions and comments that I've had on some different podcast episodes, because we are in season two, and I've interviewed over 130 leaders. And it continues to amaze me and warm my heart that so many leaders are out there sharing and bringing goodness into the world. I had a recent conversation with a client who's a C-suite leader and how difficult it is to reinforce positive outcomes during unprecedented times, but it's also very difficult to address negative outcomes. I had one leader say that they enjoyed moving people around on the org chart because it made him feel like it was playing Monopoly. So I want you to just think about that for a moment. Organizational design, looking at an org chart, being conscious and heart-centered about hierarchy. And while moving people around on an org chart may seem like a facet of leadership, if you are honoring your connection with those people and knowing their story, is it really moving 
people around on an org chart or is it bigger than that? I'm going to ask you to just kind of pause and think about that for a moment because a lot of that's going on right now. It reminds me of how social media has exploded, for lack of a better word, about the resignation boom. Are we really in a resignation boom? Or have people self-audited their lives during the last 20 months of these unprecedented times around the globe to the point that that self-audit has maybe renewed or demonstrated or completely shown them what's important in their life? I have had 28 executives change positions since March of 2020. They wanted less stress, quality time with family, quality time for themselves, renewal of health, less chaos. And at the end of the day, a lot of people have realized money and stature are not everything. I recently polled on LinkedIn what was the most important thing in people's lives, money, stature, health, or happiness. And it was very interesting to see the outcome. Happiness was number one. So I'm going to ask you, do you feel that foundationally you need to have your health first to have happiness? Or do you feel when you have happiness first that everything's aligned and you are healthy because you're happy? It's a great question to ponder. So think about that for a moment. So I'm going to circle back to all of you listening, especially if you're in a leadership, management, the title doesn't matter. Think about the main reason why you may think you fail in your leadership or you might think your boss is failing in leadership. Think about your culture at work. Is it healthy? Is it happy? Is it vital? Is it positive? If it's not, could you think about the points of why it's not? Is the leadership within your company taking what I like to call a holistic approach? Are they looking at the whole bandwidth? How do you think it got to where it is? good, bad, or indifferent. When was the last time you thought about how it feels to work? And I realize many of you listening, some of you are back in the office. Some of you are starting the onboarding to a hybrid workflow model. Some of you are still at home. Let's remove the location of where you're working. Let's remove how you're feeling. And just pause to think about the culture of your company. Why are you there? Do you feel that your leader, whoever you may be reporting into, or you have a bird's eye view and a reflection on the executive team or your C-suite leaders, do they lead with best practice? Do you feel there's been a clear defined strategy during unprecedented times? 
do you feel during a Zoom meeting that answers always come up in great conversation between you and your peers? Do you think integrity matters? What if I told you there is no best practice? Leaders really enjoy foundation and numbers. They love to have a benchmark or a baseline. And it sounds simple and it sounds logical, but you have to look at how you're doing things. Think about your industry. Think about what's been done right, what's been done wrong, what's completely indifferent. You don't even know what's happening with the company. Have you witnessed toxic positivity? You know, I think people try to look at other people and behave or clone their success. What if you stayed in your lane and just focused on what you bring and your heart-centered leadership? It sounds easy, but I can tell you as an executive coach, I have this conversation every day. A lot of people say to me, it's common sense. If it's common sense, I'll say it again. Is it your common practice? If there's no alignment within the team that you're working on, then we need to go back and look at the leadership and what strategy they've put in place for communication and execution of strategy. If there's a missing link in the team, we're not going to see a forward motion of positivity or a vital or healthy culture. A lot of times leaders make mistakes. And I can tell you at the C-suite level, it happens daily, repetitively. And I hear this a lot, you know, they get paid big salaries to do what they do. Well, grab your cup of coffee and sit with me in the observer's chair. You are one small piece of the pie that that C-suite leader is leading. And the amount of decisions and time that they have to make a decision, delegate, Sometimes it's a millisecond. So I'm going to ask you to think about your organization. And if you've worked with a leader, they have made the wrong decision. They have so many things going on. But I will tell you that there are moments in their day where there's competing priorities. We've been talking about the resignation boom, unwanted turnover. How about bosses who are inaccessible because they have competing priorities? Well, it's a vicious circle. If you can't get a hold of your boss, you're not going to stay. And it's very interesting if you look at the latest research that's come out from McKinley, most people are leaving companies because they don't feel seen, valued, or heard, which was really surprising for many. We talk about, you know, rivalry, that cross-function rivalry. That doesn't help to build or sustain or foster a healthy culture. Do a self-audit to how you're feeling today during this podcast, how you have felt and navigated the last 20 months. What has changed? What has stayed the same? And what is different? When you think about business acumen, it's made up of three components. Knowledge, knowledge about finance, 
there's contextual knowledge, there's organizational knowledge, there's skills, skills needed to have stakeholder awareness, as well as self-awareness. And then there's ability, ability to deal with ambiguity, which has been the last 20 months. And also the ability to link cause and effect, another massive factor for the resignation boom. So being inaccessible to your people is not intrinsic. It is not heart-centered. And I had a great conversation with a leader last week who told me that minimally three times a week, people are coming into her office and telling her what they feel she could do better or could change. When you hear that, you should be thinking that leader has an open door policy, which is absolutely amazing. More importantly, she's accessible and she's open to constructive feedback from her executive team and below. Because no leader's perfect. They're open to their imperfection. They're able to show and demonstrate transparency, authenticity, and vulnerability. There's no leader out there that's perfect. And when you can have the strength and the courage to have an open heart-centered conversation with your leader, that is truly a win-win for both of you. It's demonstrating to the leader that they have created a comfort within the organization and the culture that you feel open and honest to approach them, to share your feelings, your observations, and they in turn attentively listen to you, which is heart-centered, and they don't take it personal. You're giving them an opportunity to grow as a leader based on your observation. And whether you're on Zoom, at home, in person, it doesn't matter. Take away the modality and just lean into the communication and see where that might take you. It might lead you down a different avenue of thinking and your habits of thinking. It may change your feelings and your approach. And heart-centered leadership belongs to everybody. It's not a one-size-fits-all. So think about who you are, who you work with, who you work for, and what are the important elements that you bring to your role every day as a leader? How do you want to show up every single day with heart and demonstrate that you're a heart-centered leader? What does that look like for you? How does it make you feel? We all have days where We might be a bit down. We might be a bit sideways. You know, you've heard me say before on this podcast, tragedy doesn't have a schedule. Tragedy, loss, emergencies, they show up. They give us an opportunity to pivot, to pause, to grieve, to grow. And all of those remnants have a place in our toolkit Because when we share what we've gone through and have that alignment with others, that's the foundation of a great relationship built on trust and rapport. When you can share with another person that they're seen and valued and heard, and more importantly, validated, that is timeless and absolutely crucial to being a leader. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us. 
It's always about the other person. And when you can lean in with no other agenda, nothing else on your mind, and just listen, not to formulate a response, not to process, just to be fully present in your whole being for that other person. Not only is it timeless, it's priceless. It is the best way to show someone else that you are heart-centered in all that you do. So I welcome you to the fall. I love the fall. It's my favorite season. I feel a sense of renewal in who I am as a daughter and a sister and a wife and a mom and an entrepreneur, a podcast host, and thoroughly enjoy spending this time with you each month. And thank you for your grace for allowing me to skip September. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. And to everyone listening, if you all took a little bit of time to master the art of heart, especially stepping into someone else's world to create a connection, it is only going to fill your cup and just give you an overabundance of productivity and cooperation. And it'll allow you to establish rapport and truly care about another person and create a very real connection. Thanks for joining me and wishing you all the best. Thank you for your words of encouragement and your kind remarks. I will keep doing this podcast and having one meaningful conversation at a time. You've been listening to the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.